Hello, this is TJ Murphy, and welcome to another episode of Adventurous Entrepreneurs. My guest today is Layla McLone. Layla is the founder of Building Excellence, a company committed to liberating 100 construction owners from overwhelm by improving their people, processes, and profits by 2024. Layla is a champion of blue-collar workers and seeks to innovate solutions that best serve, support, and transform our community and culture in healthy ways. Just a few of the golden takeaways Layla shares in this episode are how to break up with being busy, create a game plan to recession-proof your business, and building a thriving team and a business that can withstand even the toughest of times. So without further ado, please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Layla McLone. Welcome to the Adventurous Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm your host, TJ Murphy. Since quitting my corporate nine to five and starting a business while backpacking through Asia back in early 2017, I've had the privilege of learning from some incredibly adventurous entrepreneurs. Through these conversations and my own journey, I've learned that much like in life, entrepreneurship is an adventure. On this podcast, I explore the journeys of top performing leaders in their fields. These wide ranging conversations include tactical business advice, how I built this insights, lessons in leadership, life hacks, travel stories, favorite hobbies, and insights into living a purposeful and joy-filled life. Adventures await us, so let's dive in. Hey, Layla, welcome to Adventurous Entrepreneurs. Hi, TJ, so happy to be here. Yeah, it's it's great to have you on. I had a blast getting to know you when we first got together for coffee a few months back. Your story really made an imprint on me because you and your family overcame some extremely difficult circumstances. And I remember feeling a resounding sense of commitment in you when you shared how that experience inspired you to help others avoid that same fate that your family experienced and doing that through helping construction business owners specifically build a thriving team and a business that can withstand even the toughest of times. So if it's okay with you, I'd like to start with a bit of background on sure. the journey. Can you tell us a little bit about your awesome. story? Yeah, I think, um, and I think my my passion of why I started uh, the consulting for construction businesses um, is all the more reticent right now in our economic situation that we find ourselves globally. We're definitely you know, heading into a firm season of stagflation with where inflation prices are high and, and demand is, is, is increasing. And and we're trying to figure out like, how do we get through this? And so, um, in 2008, I grew up as a daughter of a roofer. Um, my first jobs were digging pier block holes and cleaning up job sites. And I painted houses through college, but I watched my dad have just an incredible work ethic and, in 2008, his roofing business really met some hard times, like so many others. I mean, globally, you know, I shouldn't say globally, across the nation, we saw over 650,000 journeymen and master carpenters leave the industry and never return. And so we've got this massive knowledge gap. And so I've got a dad who's a baby boomer. And at 70, he's still pounding nails seven days a week, because in the last downturn, they really lost everything. They lost their retirement property and and so much more. And it made me question as a business leader and someone who had been working and advising other business leaders in other sectors, like, man, if if there would have been some clear plan B or a new blueprint that he could have followed, could have the losses been less. And so 
he's why I was motivated to want to come and serve other people like my dad. Um, here we are headed, you know, firmly into this winter season and he hasn't had a day off since the first weekend in August, which was my brother's birthday and not my brother's birthday, my brother's wedding. And it's like, oh my gosh, like he needs to take a day off and he doesn't, he's relentless. And as are so many leaders in the construction field, and I think they need an advocate and I think they need to be shown that there's a better way. And so that's my passion. And I'm on a mission right now, um, between now, this time, 2022, and this time, 2023, I want to serve 100 regional businesses, helping them improve their capacity by helping transform their people, their process, and ultimately their profit margins. So that's my passion point. (laughs) Yeah, and I love it because you have such a strong why built through that pain that you went through and that experience. And I also love that you have this huge commitment and a goal with an actual number. Like you want to serve hundred construction business owners and really help them to create freedom and set their businesses up so that they're going to thrive regardless of what happens. A hundred percent. I just don't want to see, we saw so many businesses closed down and a lot of guys I talked to today and even some of my dad's close friends, they're like, Uh, this is my swan song. Like I'm going to build one more house and I'm out. And it's like, please don't leave. Like we need your expertise. We need what you bring to the region. And if there is a way, and I mean, if it's their time to retire by all means, like I want to empower them to do that as well. But I really want to see those knowledge transfers happen. I want to see, um, you know, the young millennials and Gen Z, I want to see them get equipped in the trades and, and have these, leaders as mentors, um, that can equip them and show them the way in a healthy process and not in burnout mode. Like I think so many of us can experience that in business as well. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the business, but in the trades, I mean, we, we need it because there is such a huge gap and I hear it from my clients. I hear it from people in the industry all the time. Like we do have all of these masters, these leaders leaving, they're, they're retiring, they're exiting the workforce and that knowledge isn't getting passed as quickly as it needs to, to the younger generation. It's not. And it's, and sadly in the day-to-day workforce of production, what needs to get done in a day, you can have people shadow you, but that knowledge transfer takes so much more time. It's not like going into a classroom and then the next 90 days, you're going to learn this and you're going to get certified in this, like that intuitive knowledge, like of how to make the best decision, um, understanding how to read a scenario, not just blueprints, but, understanding that you're you're going in and you've got an irate client and there's a delay on orders and, and fulfillment. Like there's just so many different multifaceted pieces to the job um, that doesn't get learned in a day. It doesn't get learned in 90 days. And so really helping those leaders be intentional with, with cross-training and to invite their employees and their team members a little bit closer into that inner circle and model strong decision-making. I think that is one of the biggest things is a lot of companies that I work with have incredible talent on their team, um, even young and hungry talent. And yet in the day-to-day operations, if they don't intentionally make margins for that knowledge transfer for cross-training, people can get a little unsatisfied and frustrated because they don't see a quick enough growth opportunity. They're like, great, this has been awesome. It's been a paycheck for my family for a while and now I'm going to move on. I was just reading statistics the other day that um, like 60% of new hires are 
openly looking for new jobs within one year of taking a job. And so like that just gets, I don't know, as, as a trainer, that would be exhausting to me to think of like, well, great, I've got you on for six months. You're just starting to get where I want you. And now you're looking at leaving. So um, those are things that I, I want to help companies mitigate and not have those losses. Cause I think that retention starts at word go. So tell me a little bit about where things are at for you here. We're, we're almost at the end of October of 2020. Yeah. What are you focusing on right now? My focus right now, still this year, it's, it, it's an interesting, I feel like I'm on like the middle of a bridge between two, two seasons in business um, where so many people for the last couple of years have been, Layla, help me hire, help me hire, help me recruit. And so I've just launched my Get Her Done Toolbox, which is an online course and resource that really helps um, small to mid-sized businesses recruit more efficiently on board with incredible intention as well as retain their top talent through some coaching exercises and really business best practices that all come down to communication. I think no matter what business you're in, is, is, as you are appealing to all these adventurous entrepreneurs, whatever business we're in, we're all in the relationship business. And so how we set up those relationships with our employees is so, so imperative. Um, so right now I'm finding myself in that gap of still helping so many companies recruit and find talent so they can get the jobs done. And yet I'm looking ahead as economic history repeats itself, wondering at what point are we going to be looking, how do we become more efficient with less? Um, and how, what are the triggers if we might have to downsize? How do we make hard decisions? I've been personally interviewing a lot of business owners that went through the 2008 downturn and have been asking like, gosh, what is the one thing? If you learned something out of that, well, are you sure not to repeat moving forward, right? Like yeah. hopefully you're never put in that same position again. And I'd like to think that we're all hopefully wrong in our economic forecasting, but um, a lot of them, it boils down to, they'd like to make, they will make the harder decisions faster because wanting just to hold on and retain their team, um, whether they were underbidding jobs to get them or, um, just trying to to grab work, the stress load that it, that it cost them, the economics that it cost them, they it was a lose lose situation. And they said if we would have been willing to make the hard decision, and kind of cut our losses earlier, we would have actually saved more, and we would have recovered quicker. And um, it's that's just the hard reality is that hard decisions are hard to make. And um, so I'm just, I'm getting inspired by them of saying, I will definitely make those harder decisions quicker. So I'm trying to learn how to best advocate and support business leaders as we kind of go into these uncharted waters yeah. of how can we make decisions, the hard ones more swiftly and hopefully less painful. Yeah. And how can we plan for them in advance? Like, you know, you said no one, no one wants to. We don't know. Yeah, we have yeah. some, we have some sneaky suspicions, right? Of what's yeah, coming. Yeah, we don't know what's coming down the pipeline. We don't. But as and leaders, we, and especially in the construction industry, you're, you have a big team. You want to keep them on payroll. Their families depend on that livelihood. 100%. And so making that hard decision, even though it is going to potentially be the best thing for the business and, and the long run, that's a hard position to be in. And so I'm yeah. curious as you're working with, with people now, are, are you doing any pre-planning so that there's like, okay, when we get to that 
flashpoint, yeah. when that, that trigger happens, mm-hmm. we already know the decisions already pre-planned that this is what we're going to do. There's, I don't know if we're getting to not the downsizing triggers so much. I think a lot of the companies I'm working with definitely have a, a fiscal plan B in place, what it will look like to, to tighten their belt. A lot of them, even as owners are like, we'll take this, we can handle taking this pay cut percentage and retain our team. Or yeah. even in this process, what some of them have done in the past is when others are having to release some of the top talent and do layoffs, that they'll actually put themselves shrewdly in a position to acquire more top talent. So they're willing to sacrifice their own income for a season to acquire more. So it's an interesting, it's a different move. And it's, yeah. I think the thing that sets entrepreneurs and truly successful business people apart are those that are willing to risk and to innovate in these hard places. And so as much as we can say, oh man, it's gonna be, there's some unknowns coming. Um, the best thing is, is honestly, it's an incredible opportunity for further growth. And that I want us to celebrate. And instead of partnering with fear, partner with possibilities and go, yes, these are gonna be challenging times, but they're incredible opportunities. And so I think as opposed to just triggers for downsizing, some of the questions that I'm asking are what really differentiates your business from your competition? How can you really show up in more unique ways? How can you and your services exceed expectation and actually give breakthrough services? I heard actually one of my business coaches, Mike Seip, recently shared um, the illustration coming out of the last downturn where um, a lot of business travelers would use Lincoln town cars, right? And, and personal town services, town car services that were more expensive, but they were reliable and dependable. They get you to your, your meeting on time in a clean car. <laughs> and, um, but we saw Uber get birthed out of that. That was such an innovation to meet a need. And so not only did they meet the need and the expectation, but they did so at a better rate. And um, we saw them just totally transform that, that transportation model. And so I'm curious in the same way as I'm working with different business leaders of what ways can we differentiate our services? How can you be more unique and stand out that you do become the go-to solution for those that you serve? And so I think those are the questions more than, than the hand ringing going, oh my gosh, what are going to be my triggers to downsize? Yeah. How can we differentiate that we will thrive all the more and we can actually increase our market share in this time? Those are, I think if we can slow down and ask those hard questions, uh, we will all be all the better for it. Yeah. And I think that applies to pretty across much across the board, across the across board. board, this is, to mean, any, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd hide it within our leadership, you know, when, when we're thinking about, okay, if, if things do go poorly, what is our get small budget? What are the things that we can trim off to keep people employed, to keep the ship sailing smoothly? Mm -hmm. But then also, as you said, leaning into your key differentiator, what are you the best at? What is your most profitable service that you are the go-to experts at fulfilling that people need and yeah. if you can really lean into that while cutting all the superfluous stuff, trimming the fat where you need to, you can ride it out and, and even thrive in difficult situations, depending on how things go. Agreed. Agreed. And so yeah. your journey, Layla, has taken you through some difficult times, clearly, before starting your business. And I'm sure 
being an entrepreneur has only brought on a new set of challenges that, that you've had to overcome. <laughs> That's right? why we are entrepreneurs, right? We <laughs> like the challenge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Are there are there any traps you fell into early on in your business journey? And if so, how did you overcome them? Yeah, I think it was interesting too, because I didn't, I wouldn't say that I'm a natural born like serial entrepreneur, like, like some are. Um, I think I grew into entrepreneurialism out of um, 15 years in corporate America. My background is in broadcast news. I worked for the New York Times company for several years and then went on to work in C-level management with some other corporations. And I think it was my hunger for autonomy and more flexibility and freedom that drove me more into the entrepreneurial space of wanting to be my own boss. Um, it's not for everybody. <laughs> and, and honestly, I don't think our economy would work well if everybody was wired um, like some of us are now. But I think um, in my foray into independent as an independent business owner, I still had some of those unhealthy filters of corporate culture that um, I think really drive that are modeled that were modeled for me in a very top down corporate environment. And they actually influence fear-based decision-making uh, and people-pleasing. And that for me as an entrepreneur, that was definitely the trap that I fell into. Like I wanted to be, I, I got into it because I was passionate. I wanted to help people. I wanted to use my strengths in communication and strategic planning to help other people in business be better. And yet in doing so, I just wanted to help anybody I could help, right? So I wanted to be all things to all people. And in that really wasn't um, adhering to good, healthy boundaries or even time leadership for myself. And so I think in the first two years, those were, those were challenges for me to go um, to create boundaries and to have a, a better space. Like I love listening. You um, and your wife, both, you know, from what you share, like just model really, you know, who you are, you know, what you're about, and you know, how you want to show up. And I think I still came in with that all or nothing mindset in corporate America and, and sacrificed a little bit too much on that front end. So you know, it's, it's um, so easy to, to burn the candle from, from both ends. Right. And I see in having coached several people from like concept to business, um, like just a dream vision into actual income. I know a lot of entrepreneurs who really are hobbyists because if you don't have a paycheck, you're not in business. <laughs> and that's the sad reality, right? And I know a lot of really talented, passionate people who just have really expensive hobbies. And so I think it is really important to slow down at the foundation or launch of any business or wherever we are in process, if we haven't done the hard foundational work of why are you really doing it? Who do you really want to serve? And how are you going to uniquely do that? It, those sound like such simple questions, but unless we really get to the nitty gritty and finite detail of those answers, and we don't just, it's easy even to ourselves to give ourselves pat answers, right? Like, have you yep. ever done that? Like, <laughs> I know for me, I was like, oh yeah, I just want to help, you know, I'm going to help in this area. And it's, it was still vague. It was really easy to speak in vague terms. And I think the more specific and measurable we get. Um, and I know for me, when I niche down, really wanting to work with husband and wife owned and operated construction businesses, while I can serve people that are out of that specific, but I wanted to work with, with that, I had like seven key differentials, like that have 40 or more employees that are keenly aware that they need more time in the day to get their job done. Um, like there were different components. I was very specific on who I wanted to work with. 
I left my meeting with my coach going, are there more than three of these people in existence? <laughs> like, am I? But it was so specific. Um, and it really was in that moment that I felt an incredible freedom to really just seek after and serve those individuals. And um, while I've served people a little bit out of that range at the same time, um, I've just felt very grounded and um, I didn't feel like I had to go serve everybody in all the other places anymore. Yeah, we can't, we can't be everything to everyone. No, we can't. And, and we'll always come up short. We'll always come up short that way. And, and burn ourselves out in the process. 100%, 100%. And I think, um, and I've worked with, and I have, I've worked in everything from, from the healthcare to mortgage and real estate um, environments and back into more corporate tech businesses. And, and we see it across the board, but if, if I'm trying to learn all of those components and understand, I want to know my client's business. I learn. I think probably more from my clients than they may ever learn from me. Um, but I like understanding the nuance in the construction industry. And even from business to business, there's different. So that feeds my appetite for variety. But I really am in the same pain points um, in all the businesses that I serve. Whereas if I'm switching from medical to construction to artistic, like it, it just doesn't, there's there lacks a continuity there. So I really I can't encourage anybody starting a business to really niche down to who you want to serve. And it can be an overused term, but the more specific and more clear, um, I think the happier we can all be in our business and the easier people can find you. Yeah, I, I agree. And so we work with a lot of contractors, construction companies. So I'm curious for, for my own knowledge, when I'm talking yeah. to them, what, what have you found to be the key in helping those business owners really lean into what their specialty should be and, and really clarify their priorities to accomplish more with less? That is such a great question. I think in the construction industry, really helping owners increase their capacity is the number one win that I'm going after. And, and in doing so, um, they're passionate and they're experts at what they do and the deliverables that their company brings. And I really come in as a consultant to help them get clear on their priorities of what needs to be developed to grow their business, to keep them thriving and moving forward on their own um, for their goals that they've set. And so there are three kind of key things that they need to work on. One is clarifying the priority um, and unifying all of the key leaders in their organization on the one common goal. Like I have one company, their number one goal is 100% on-time orders. And so everybody, whether they're in dispatch, they're in production, they're in sales, everyone is asking, how can I make the team more efficient with this one goal? And so I think working with owners is like, what is the one thing you really want to accomplish as a company? Yeah. Getting clear on those priorities because they can wear so many hats. As a business owner, if you are wearing six different hats and pouring into six to 10 different buckets of your business every day, you will be highly ineffective. And so I like clarifying what is the one thing that you're going after that you're trying to drive through your whole company and organization to what in that needs your unique fingerprint. I love one touch systems. It's like, um, I kind of like using, it's a silly analogy, but when your mail comes in, how many times do you touch it before you're done with it? I think a lot of people like, right? Like you get your bill and you're like, oh, you opened it, you see it. Well, I'll put it over here and I'll pay it in a couple of weeks or whatever. Like, it's like, don't do that. Like 
it's a, it's a one, it, you want to create one touch processes. You're only doing these things once and not having 11 touches to that same piece of mail. Yeah. That is like wait a time suck and a time waster. And so really kind of helping these leaders see some of those blind spots on where they're being underutilized and overworked. And I want to just use them like, you know, I think a lot of times in work, it can be like the difference between a bird shot um, or using a, a rifle with a scope, right? Like I want, I want it laser focused. I want yeah. to hit that bullseye every single time. And so it's that same calibration um, with the owners and business leaders I work with. So they're clear on their priorities. They've got one unifying mission that they're going after, and they're creating one touch system so that any effort that they're putting forward is creating and generating fresh momentum for their team, for their company, and ultimately leaning towards the business growth, not just the day-to-day -day operations. I think so many um, owners are still, especially if they've started this business because it's a passion point of theirs, it's a skill trade that they love to do, and they've built a team around it, and they're supporting themselves and several other families in the community now. Yeah. Um, but they're still at the front lines doing that day-to-day -day operation. And it's like, how much more could you accomplish if we pulled you back from that just a little bit? We help replicate some of that leadership that you're doing and that skill and let you build your business for what's possible. And then you start moving then from a daily operations and management into true leadership and even legacy development for what can happen with their company. And it's that place, that land of possibility that I want to go, man, this could be so much more. Yeah. And not every business is, is set out that way. Not everyone can, can make that leap. But I know, especially with businesses in construction that are at that 20 to 30 personnel component, they could really are at a place to scale and go bigger, or they're going to decide to go, nope, we're actually more profitable if we stay with a smaller team and do, do this level, right? So those are some important things to that um, they can ask themselves at that point. Do they want to make the push and the leap to grow to this point and it'll be better and more profitable or is it more profitable to stay in, in this space? So yeah, um, and there's, those and are the things no right that I, I work on, right? Yeah. And, and then you have to decide like how, what is healthiest for you and, and how, how will that work best? But I think um, getting clear on the priority, creating that one unified push culturally for a whole team and then really refining the, those one touch systems that that their leadership, their voice and their expertise is being leveraged to its best, that they're not just like the fire marshal putting out fires and answering everybody's questions, right? Like if you're if you're the bottleneck on your team and every you, everything gets controlled through you through that one person, you're going to be exhausted. you're going to burn yourself out and you're going to be extremely inefficient. Yeah, and sadly, and I see it far too often. Yeah, you know, it's for sure. It's a crossroads that every business owner is going to come to at some point where yeah. you are that bottleneck. You're wearing way too many hats mm -hmm. in the business and that yeah. is keeping you busy on all the wrong things. You're not prioritizing and delegating and doing the things that are ultimately going to allow you to succeed. And it's a hard line. It takes trust. Like your does. employees really have to make those deposits in that trust bank that you can delegate and you can yeah can liberate yourself and others, um, at those points, but yeah. Um, this is a great, great segue too, because you know, something I've come to realize is, you know, that as a whole, our society really celebrates being busy. When, when someone asks how our day oh, is preach on that all day. Yeah. When someone asks <laughs> how our day is, what is our typical response? We say, Oh, I'm, I was busy. Like yeah. it's some, some sort of badge of honor, but true. I've, I've really come to realize that in fact, 
it's meaningless to just be busy all the time. There's always more stuff that we can be doing to fill our day. But is that business actually creating momentum and happiness in our lives? Right. That busyness rather not business. Um, And not always. I I say definitely not always. It has to be intentional and deliberate and not reactive to what other people or the world throws at us. So what is your relationship with, with that word busy? I love it. Yeah. No, you, you, you strike a nerve on that one. For me, it was back in 2015. I'd found myself, I'd run into friends. Oh, how are you? I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm so busy. Like I wouldn't even sometimes even get to, I'm great, but I'm so busy. Yeah. It's like, and I'm like, man, if I hear myself say that word one more time, I'm going to like punch myself. Like I was just so sick of hearing that word come out of my mouth. I'm like, how can I change this? And I really got convicted by it. Cause again, I was like, do I feel like it's making me, I'm important if I'm busy. And I feel like I'm accomplishing something. If I say I'm busy uh, or I'm in demand, like I didn't understand. And it really was that point of like, no, I'm still just trying to, I've spread, I've said yes to too many things. Yeah. And um, I had to get really clear. And this is a big piece. You, you know, I talk about the priorities getting so clear because I think when we're clear in our priorities, it creates a filter for us to process opportunities through. And we say yes or no, based on if it does it align with my priority filter um, and can it help me say a yes or a no. Um, someone, I once heard someone talking on giving an iceberg analogy. And when we see an iceberg in the ocean, right? That it's only the top, it's only 10% that we see out of the, out of the top of the water and a 90% below. And it was in that analogy that I finally realized I'm like, my no is so powerful. The word, the world around me, when I say no, sees that 10% above the water that I'm saying no to, but it's representing the 90% yes underneath the water. That is my core values, my priorities of family, my priorities for my own health, my priorities for my community that I'm basing that answer off of. And so, um, that was a personal journey that I went through to break. I'm like, I'm on a mission to break up with busy. I'm like, I'm not going to be done. And so coming out of that self um, analysis and awareness, I found myself doing this and I invite anybody who's listening to this today. If you too feel yourself going, I say busy way too much. Um, Exchange the word busy out of your vocabulary for the word full. My days can be full. And if, if my days are full, and reflecting my priorities, I'm so good with that. Even if I'm running from 6 a.m. until 11 p.m., like if it's the things that I want to be about that I know my life is supposed to be about, I'm totally good with that. Um, I rarely will run that hard in any given day <laughs> from yeah. that long. But, um, but I think if 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 those things are in alignment, then we are just so much more content. And it isn't. And so my life isn't busy. Some people are like, oh man, your plate's really full. I'm like, it is, but it's full of great things that I'm so excited. I'm so passionate about, and I'm honored to put my hand to them. Um, if it does start getting busy, then I'm like, I need to exercise my no a little bit more frequently because yeah. things are getting out it. of alignment. And I think you can find that from season to season where we can do that. But I think, um, yeah, I, I want to always invite people to exchange busy for full and coming out of that, like I've learned that rest really is a weapon that we, we really can be more effective. The more we rest that, that fun makes people more productive. It is, um, 
I encourage a lot of my teams like, well, gosh, have you guys ever considered a, an annual guys fishing trip or, you know, how often do you go play golf or, <laughs> you know, yeah. and right now we're in the, in hunting season. And so everyone, you know, can you bring somebody along with you if you want to, it's typically more of a solo sport, I know, but, um, not always. Yeah. yeah. How can we build in more fun? Gotta I think, do it. um, we, we underestimate its value. And I think we've been taught, at least I know my generation, well, if it isn't hard work, then, you know, um, then it's not work. And it's like, well, yeah. actually, I, I will be, if I will go play and spend quality time with my family on the weekend, I will come back so much more refreshed and motivated and more eager on Monday when I come back to work. <laughs> so, yeah. And that's true for all of us. We have to make time for yes. rest. And I want to thank yeah. you because it was actually when we first met, you invited me to substitute busy for full. And I, yeah. I took that to heart. I did. And I've been doing that and also awesome. sharing it with people ever since. And just awesome. going back to what I said, it's like, we don't need to use it as a badge of honor. Like yeah. we want to prioritize what busy work needs to be. If we're full of things that are actually pushing the needle and we're passionate about great, but let's not celebrate work for work's sake. So and good. Yeah. It, it's been a game changer for me for sure. Well, I'm glad to hear that. And I think, yeah, I, it really is my hope that I think it can be contagious because the more content and grounded all of us are and people are like, man, all of this is happening. And why aren't you more stressed? And it's like, well, cause I do this, this, and this, or like, you know, yep. for each of us, it's a little bit different of what makes us grounded and balanced and what, what fuels us personally. But, um, I really believe that there is a cultural shaking that we've all experienced since COVID and it's such an open invitation for us to live different. And I really hope that we all take to the fullest advantage that we can be, have healthier work-life balance. And I know a couple of years back, there were several blogs that were out there and some different voices were like, balance is a myth. And I'm like, I don't think it is. <laughs> I think it is attainable. <laughs> yeah. But well, As well as one guest that I've had on the podcast put it, and I really liked it. It was like, he didn't like the word balance because if, if something's in balance, it just takes one thing on either side to push it in yeah, okay. to create imbalance. So what he, what he was saying was like, I build my life to be a blend of business, family, mm -hmm. and, and all the things that bring him joy. And so That's if awesome. I can figure out systems to, to blend everything together so that even if something does go wrong on either side, it's not creating that imbalance where my mm -hmm. day is just totally off the rocker. That's a good that's, way to, that's how he, and, and I took that to heart and that's how I'm trying to think about it now that's too. Good. Well, it is to me, that is creating that oneness there where there's that, those convergence points of your priorities, whether it's our health, our business, our family, our relationships, our fun, that, um, it takes a little bit of all of those to make the, the full 360 of who we are. Um, and so I like that, that it is blended together. It's awesome. So Layla, what is a challenge you're currently facing that you're working through right now? And what do yeah. you think you should be tackling next to, to get over that challenge? Yeah, I really think we kind of hit on that earlier. Um, okay. A little bit on the fact, I really think that all of us in business right now, given the global market space and the economic challenges that we're facing as a nation, I think all of us in business need to be asking what are we uniquely doing? How can we show up better? How can we innovate? Are there things that we can do to, to be better, to be the best, to be the go-tos? Um, and I think too, in that I'm always wondering, 
I know here in this region, we watched several construction businesses go under, um, in the last recession. And I've been asking like, gosh, are there, what are win-wins? And it's weird. Cause I mean, every, every field for every business, there's, there's competition, right? And there's your competitors. And I kind of have that question of like, where could I collaborate with some of my competitors to drive you in greater win-wins for both businesses? Because I, I believe in life and in business, if it isn't win-win, it's a no deal. So it needs to be healthy, but I've been really curious to, to ask like, gosh, what does one construction company have that another one can benefit from and vice versa that they can complement each other? And whether that would be, I don't know, an excavation company that has a large land space that could actually be used for a snow removal company. I don't know. Like, I have yeah, like, no idea so like, what it really looks like, but I'm like, Even what are resources do. where people could use that land differently when you're not yeah. using it in your off season? Or, um, I don't know. I like in the analogy that on my little cul-de-sac, we don't all need ones. We don't all need snowblowers individually. Like my neighbor, Rob, we call him mayor Rob. He, he snowblows the sidewalks and it's so awesome. We don't all need two story ladders. We have one happy to share them. You know what I mean? Like what is kind of that whole idea? Not everyone on the block needs a chainsaw. Like, um, and I think in business, it's that same sort of thing. I'm like, what resources do we all share and have that we could, that no one would feel used or taken advantage of, but that there would be legitimate win-win outcomes through collaborative approaches to business and community service. So um, yeah, I don't, I have no idea what that looks like, but when we're facing uncharted economic challenges, I'm like, got to get creative. These are the questions you ask me, like, what challenges are we facing? Um, I think my challenge is I like to challenge myself with those questions before we need the answers. So those are the things that I've been mulling over these last few months. And um, I've gone to some local forums, the Oregon Home Builders Association annual conference to our Central Oregon Builders Association meetings, and just asking and kind of driving these questions with some of the business owners um, and just trying to glean from them and their expertise and trying just to fish for what's possible. And I think those are some of the things we need to be asking. Um, and really, I think the number one challenge for everybody in business right now is do not partner with fear. Do not partner with a mindset of lack and, um, and go, man, we're, we're made for this. We're, we're here for this time in history. Let's own it. Let's innovate and let's be wise and um, lead the way through for our communities and not shrink back, um, with any adversity that might come up. So I think those are, the, those are the challenge points that we've got big challenges ahead that are undefinable completely right now. But I think we need to be asking keen questions and start to be asking ourselves the, um, to really turn on our brain power on a whole nother level to, to find those solutions. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I mean, the leaders that don't just stick to traditional ways of thinking and, and look for those opportunities to yeah. you know, not only innovate within their business, but collaborate within their communities and find opportunities that yeah. you know, will actually help create more value for everyone, our community, the businesses involved in it, the people yeah. within those That's teams. Definitely. I want to see that. I want to see that come to pass. <laughs> yeah, me too. And so as we segue here yeah. towards wrapping up, I'd like to talk a little bit about adventure. So you're you're an adventurous person. You like to spend time in nature, 
out exploring here in Bend and Pacific Northwest. And you know, you're not one to shy away from hard work or a good time either. So do you have any rules or habits or practices that enable you to create more adventure in your life? Um, in my household, we call it carefree timelessness. And so um, our Saturdays are kind of no schedule Saturdays, like wake up. Um, I think the older we've gotten, we've done more slow mornings. We used to be really up and early out the door on Saturdays, but Saturdays really are days that we do not schedule anything with the rare exception if there's a family wedding or something like that. Um, but we really have no plans on Saturdays and those are set aside for some sort of adventure. And whether that means hiking out to Smith Rock or going to one of the lakes or paddleboarding on the river, um, those are just really open quality time days for play. And all of us in our household definitely refuel by being in nature. So that's those are usually the first go-tos. Um, and I think, yeah, that, that keeping that Saturday as a, as a no, a non-committal day is, is really huge to us. Yeah, I love that. I mean, you got to yeah. build it in, especially when your whole family enjoys getting out and, and exploring and doing things in nature. And that fills you up. That's such good quality time to, to spend together. And so I have another adventure question for you. This is actually yeah. choose your own adventure type question. Uh -oh. So you can pick whichever one you'd like. I'll or... go grab my passport. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or you can answer both if you so desire. So what's, <laughs> what's your favorite place you visited in the last five years? And what was it like? Oh, what good. I like so the five-year or, or what was your favorite <laughs> meal or drink you had there? And then the second one is what's a recent adventure you went on? Okay. So my favorite adventure in the last five years definitely has to be um, the couple of weeks I spent in Kona. And it was great. I got to, I went for work. I hosted 20 of my clients at a private plantation right in Kailua and walking distance from the beach. And yet we're in this beautiful, massive private plantation where you can pick anything off the tree. So my favorite meals on that trip were literally pulling the mangoes and bananas off the trees and just eating them. That was like, so good. Oh, I can smell the freesia in the air, just thinking about it. Um, and yeah, I just, I love, it feels like home when I'm in Kona. It really, I love, we talked about busy, being busy earlier and I choose that space to bring my clients to, because I don't think there's any better place to reset our relationship with time than in a land that, as they say, live aloha, um, but to embrace that really carefree timelessness and where you are, be all there. And um, so that is definitely my, my favorite place. And we always look forward to going back. Um, yeah. And favorite meal was definitely just the, the fresh fruit, yeah. fresh picked off the trees. It doesn't oh, get I better. Love <laughs> I love that. Yeah. We yeah. were, we were in Kauai earlier this year and oh, nice. it was my first time there. And yeah, just the carefree timelessness with, with my family going on some fun adventures yeah. from paddleboarding up the Wailua river to oh. snorkeling and just chilling on the beach. It's, yeah. it's good such a beautiful part. My favorite from that trip. And as much as I enjoy being with my clients, the snorkeling, um, with my daughter was so awesome. And we saw multiple sea turtles and some eels. We even saw a whale shark. It's a whale shark. Yeah. And then, um, we had a day of body surfing on Hapuna beach. And that was just 
hilarious. Like just that point where you've, you've laughed so hard that your, your sides ache the next day. Cause you just yeah. laughed th- through the whole day. Your, your it was smile just, hurts. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was just the best, the best day ever. And so, um, yeah, definitely my favorite. I love it. All right. Well, as we wrap up here, what ask challenge or parting advice do you have for my audience? Oh my goodness. Um, stay clear, stay grounded and connected to why you do what you do. Don't let other people or the fullness <laughs> of, of your schedule, um, get you off track and really stay focused on your priority, serve that specific niche that you're called to with everything that you've got, do everything with excellence and, um, refuel yourself with fun. Find out what, what really refills your tank as much as you pour out, get poured back into, cause we can't, we can't give from an empty tank. So, um, find what refuels you and what fills you up that you have, that you're always pouring out the best. Cause if we're not pouring out fresh wine, we're pouring out vinegar and that is not of much good to anybody. <laughs> no, it's not. And it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. That's right. great That's advice. Good. So where can people find you online? You know, I know here regionally in the Pacific Northwest, any construction leaders, Layla is a great person to speak to, but also just people that want to learn more and, and hear what you're up to. Where can we find you online, socials, things like that? I um thank you for asking. Um, I am found on buildingexcellence.pro, and that's where people can find me. You can sign up, you can take a free court values assessment and get a free solutions call. I just love meeting with with new businesses and helping you find a fresh blueprint for where you're at right now and what will help you grow best moving forward. And um, yeah, own a growth mindset. Don't let, definitely do not partner with, with fear um, in the season ahead or the uncertainty. Know that you were made for this and know that the people around you need your leadership. So you can find um, inspiration on Instagram at Building Excellence Pro and um, also on LinkedIn. I'm under Layla Fame Maglone. Perfect. We will put all that in the show notes for everyone. Listening. Awesome. And Layla, this was so fun. I appreciate you coming on the Thank show you. and sharing so many valuable insights with us. I have a ton of notes and I'm definitely going to be reflecting on them later. And this just reaffirmed some valuable commitments I'm making in my life, like not using busy, but full and, and really doubling down on my purpose. So got to well, get out of the rat race, got to fill yourself yes. up and stop glorifying being busy. So I'm looking forward to continuing to follow your journey and seeing you transform lives both here in our community and throughout the country. So thanks Thanks, for all that you do. Keep it up. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to listening to all of these podcasts because I think we all need to start making an adventure map based on people's favorite adventures and just I'll I'll make a new bucket list. (laughs) Yes, we'll have to start like tracking some of that stuff too. Definitely. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you again. Appreciate you. Yes, we'll talk soon. To all of our adventurous listeners, thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Please be sure to subscribe, download, and share this on social media or with someone you know will get some value from it. Leaving a review goes a long way in helping people find the show. And I personally appreciate reading them when they come in. So please go drop one if you have the time. We'll see you all next week. And remember, whether we're talking about business or the things that bring us joy outside of work, life is meant for exploring. So go out there and live it one adventure at a time.